hello, hello, and welcome to Show Talk Podcast, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of The Nevers, episode two. It's been a long two weeks. Yes, I know, before you start yelling at me, I know, okay? I already feel like I got yelled at by HBO Max's promo telling me to catch up. So here I am, catching up, ready to process and digest everything that I watched with this episode because there's a lot of feelings, a lot of negative feelings that happened with this episode. If you had a chance to watch and interact with my live tweetings of the Nevers episode two on Twitter, there was a lot of exclamation points. There was a lot of caps lock. Honestly, by the end of the episode, I lost my voice because I was screaming so much at everything that was going on. And honestly, this is what this podcast is here for, for me to just dump everything that happened so I can process it with you all. And hopefully some of you will have felt the same and can relate to a lot of things that happened and a lot of the feelings that you're having with this episode. So I hope that you stick with me with all my ramblings and (laughs) tangents that I'll probably go off on. And you know what? Even for your benefit, I suggest turning down the volume of this episode just a bit because there probably will be more screaming. (laughs) And just as a reminder, this is a TVMA show. So if you are not of age and should not be watching this show, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast just to save your virgin ears from anything that you should not be listening to. But if you are of age and you have been listening to this podcast and want to get into episode two with me, I hope you stick along for the ride as we get right into it with a quick recap of what went down in episode one and then just right into what is going on in episode two because honestly I don't know I don't know but let's get right into it. So on episode one, we really get to know a lot of our main characters. We have Miss Adir and Miss Penance who run an orphanage that basically takes in anyone who's afflicted and protects them. And rightfully so, seeing as there's evil snatchers going around snatching up the women and trying to experiment on them in order to see where these troubled powers are coming from. Then we have Miss Lavinia and her family, Augustus and the ferryman his friend who are I don't know how I feel about them they're kind of like sponsors for the troubled where they kind of try to see if they can get them to fit into society and try to make rights for them while also having their own agendas like we have the ferryman who wants to work with the troubled and wants to help Augustus and Miss Lavinia so he can make his little prostitution ring thrive you know and we love a we love a businessman say sarcastically as we continue on with the episode and realize how trash he really is and the rest of his family and then we have our government officials head by mr mason who basically believe that the troubled are the worst thing that could happen to society especially if women are coming into power and so he wants to nip that in the butt as soon as possible 
in order to get his control back one as a man and also as someone who is not afflicted with these gifts and then last but not least we have melody who's kind of represented as the villain in our story but it's still up to interpretation she's also troubled but she's also mentally unstable so a lot of her actions and motivations lead to death and people getting hurt because she feels that she was picked by God to lead people, seeing as she was the only one who can remember what happened on the day that everyone was touched, on the day that possibly aliens came down and gifted select few these touched gifts. And so as we watch her kidnap Mary, another touched woman who can viscerally reach the other members who are touched uh, through her voice, we kind of find it hard to see what Melody's motives are. We don't know if it's because she's jealous of Mary that she kidnapped her. We don't know if it's because Melody just is unstable and it's something that we're going to have to watch and we're going to have to keep note of as we continue on in this season. I don't want to judge her. I don't want to consider her evil because evil is not black and white as everyone considers it to be. And so it's going to be interesting to see how these characters come about and how they're going to affect one another throughout the season. You know, with everything going on in this episode, with Mary being kidnapped, with the government looking into the troubled, with the troubled being snatched in the streets, I find it very interesting that we started off this episode with Miss Cassini, an Italian immigrant who's just come here to work and has sadly also become troubled. And I noticed the the form of racism or xenophobia that was pushed onto her and yet we have her friend that's sitting there oh I wish it, I could be touched. It's so interesting to have a little bit of a, a troubled skill. And her friend, of course, she's in hiding, trying to hide her true self as a, a troubled woman, is like, no, you, you don't want this life. You, you don't know what you could go through if you're to be caught or found in a place where you're being hunted down for being troubled. You're being kicked out of your home. You're being chained to your bed in thoughts of maybe aligning yourself with the devil and that's why you have these power. Like, what? You don't want that? No, baby, you don't want that. And the first thing that came to my mind was this TikTok that I saw. Um a couple of weeks ago where someone said it's so interesting when white people or someone lighter comes up to you during the summer and they say wow I'm darker than you and they respond well do you want my racism and my like struggles too with that with that tan that you have and it, it's so true it's so true it's like they want the gifts they want the great things that come with it but they don't want the struggle and I looked at her friend as she's saying all of this, just remembering what happened last episode with Miss Adir and with all the children that are in this orphanage right now that have been casted from their homes and looking at her and I'm like, no, you don't want this gift. You, you don't want what is happening to these women 
and it's out of their control. You don't want that. And as we see Miss Cassini's powers just get out of her control and she's being chased out of her own place of employment, my dude. I'm like, there you go. This is why you don't want that. Okay, you don't have to fear for your life, your job, thinking about what they could do to you if you're caught. And the fact, oh, the fact that this two-faced bitch went and reported her friend, reported her friend to the police. Oh, no. Oh, no. Screw you. Like, I, oh, I hate that. And it's so true. And it happens every day in real life. Like, it happens every day in real life. People will just do cultural appropriation and they'll take on who you are and your beliefs and everything that, that represents you until it no longer benefits them. And then they'll turn the script on you real quick. Real quick. And, oh, I love this show. I love, like, the little nooks and crannies and rabbit holes that I find myself in when I watch this show. And mind you, this is only less than five minutes in. This is less than five minutes in. And these are the deep spirals that I find myself in. And you would think, you would think with people like Lavinia wanting to use her family's name and her power and her, her fortune to help integrate the troubled into society and to be seen as people is a good thing. You would think that until I looked Lavinia in her face this episode and realized that I did not like her. I did not like her because although she acts like she's here for the troubled, she's not really here. Okay, it's all an act. It's all a front, especially because every time she wants to do something that seems good, in theory, she always has something sly that she says underneath her breath or in between her words. Like, look at how when they're creating this party at her villa to introduce more troubled girls to society, she says things like, make sure you bring some attractive girls. Excuse me? Like, I just kept thinking of a circus. And I know I'm probably going to be doing this a lot where I... I relate a scene to to real life and to things that I was thinking during the episode, but that's all I could think of. It's like Lavinia is the master of the circus, right? She, She controls it, controls what goes in, what goes out, what people see, what people don't. And she's doing the same thing to the troubled. She only wants what she considers those worthy of society to be seen. And once they are seen, then it's fine. If they are accepted, then it's okay. But people like Primrose, who are 10 feet tall and can't be hidden into her proper little bubble under this tent, is unacceptable. She continues to show her true colors when she talks to Augustus about his relationship with Penance. Because this entire scene that they had at the villa, you could see that Penance and Augustus was really forming a bond. Penance was letting her hair down. She was finally leaning on someone, even if it, that someone was Augustus. But it was someone who else who was troubled. It was a man who was troubled. And they had similar quirks and likes and and they fit they fit together I didn't think I was gonna ship it but it's kind of cute you know and for Lavinia to say no you can't be with her 
Why? Because not only is she troubled, because she's Irish. Girl, I see you. I see you for who you are. A two-faced bitch. Like, I, oh, I got so mad, especially when Penance got so sad because Augustus basically turned his back on her. I was upset. I was so upset. <laughs> I was so upset because she deserved better. She deserved not to have to always hold herself up for Miss Adir, for the orphanage. She could finally, even if it wasn't Augustus, be her true self. And for her to lose that because of Lavinia and because Augustus has no spine, it hurt me. It really did. And I hope that they have another chance. Do I think he deserves another chance? No. Do I think that family deserves another chance? No. I sure don't. Honestly, Penance could do better. But it was cute while it lasted, you know? And, and she deserved something like that. I'm just looking out for her, not necessarily that relationship. But honestly, from this entire episode on, I will be looking at Lavinia with a side eye. I, I don't trust her. I don't trust what she's doing. I don't, I don't know what her motivations are. And I think that's the scary part. I don't know what her motivations are and why she's doing what she's doing. And that's scary to me because I can't tell if she's a good guy or not. And yeah, I said early on in the episode that not everything is black and white, but Lavinia, I need, I need some clarity. I need some clarity there before I invest myself in someone that's just going to betray us all. Unacceptable. Now on the other side of the town, we have Miss Adir and everything that she's going through. We have her looking for Mary, uh, working with the cops, and working with Desiree, our new touched member of the orphanage i am a fan of her okay i love that her trick or her touch is that she can um she can get people to confess to her because she's a a companion i'm a fan of that because we all know that the touched their unique gifts are based on the type of person they are or what they can and cannot do um, from before they were touched so the fact that she's a companion and people just willingly give her their secrets and that's her new afflict i'm here for it I'm here for it. And honestly, in real life, there's only about three people who have that same task. Your barman, your therapist, and your mistress side side girl, okay? Those are the top three people who could have that same trick, and I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. And I think one thing that I really like as well is the fact that although she's gotten this gift because of her, her job description, it kind of fits in more things like you could use it for more than just being somebody's companion she walks into this police station and she has everyone talking left and right police confessions are coming through and she's able to even help miss Adir in figuring out if this police detective is worthy of working with miss Adir and finding mary and i think that's amazing to show that like your trick and your trouble and whatever it is your power doesn't define you like it may be based on what you're good at and what you do but you can still go above and beyond what you've been given and have a chance to do and i love that um and i love that we found out that mary was married mr hit him first and ask questions later our sweet angel voice mary shock shock honestly and I really thought that she had more of a con a deeper connection 
in the story to to different characters. I didn't think it was a marriage to the detective. Like I thought maybe she was related to uh, Mr. Mason. Like I, for some reason, I thought her age was sped up and that was his daughter. Or I thought that um, she had a personal relationship with uh, Hugo for the ferryman. I thought, I didn't know what I thought, but that wasn't it. It wasn't it. I guess it makes it easier to detach her from her past life of like the theater and that part of society to her new life once she ends up being safe in the orphanage away from Melody. So I think it's good writing in that sense, but I did think it was going to be a little bit deeper than it was. But do I really need more drama and action as we have Melody still on the sidelines holding Mary for ransom and (laughs) as we learn more about her crazy cult following and her history? Like I, it's too much already. I don't think I need to complicate things even more because you look at the people who are following Melody and for one, I was shocked that it was more than Bonfire and, um, her muscle guy because there's a bunch of them and it all seems like they have their own motives for why they follow her maybe because they feel like she's the second coming of Jesus maybe it's because they think that if they follow her that they're willing to become touched as well and I'm just gonna circle back to that thought about Miss Cassini and her friend who wanted to be touched but didn't know the struggle this is where we're at with that all these people willing to be touched because their life may be not what they expected or not what they thought it was going to be and thinking that being touched is gonna change that when all it has is you cutting off your toes following a mentally unstable woman I I don't know I don't I don't know what to tell these people, okay? Because they don't seem like the best bunch. Honestly, the only one I'm rooting for here is Bonfire. I need her to change her ways, and it looks like she does. But we're going to get into that later. Because I really want to go into Malady's history and the fact that she was abused and taken advantage of by these members that she's looked up to as a god for so many years. And now we're portraying her as the demon or as the the sickness in this against the troubled against society and yet they've created her the same people who are supposed to watch out for her and protect her created her into the unstable and I don't want to say crazy but just person that we see today And what does that mean? What does that mean? We can't say that she's evil now. We can't say that she's the the villain of the story when we know who the villains really are. It's the people who created her. It's the people who abused her. It's the people that led her to believe that she has to look towards a god that she saw come down from the earth and gave her these powers of vision and then turned her into an enemy for acting on them. No, okay, it's people like possibly Miss Adir. Who saw that coming? Like, excuse me, who is Molly? Acquiring Minds would like to know because I want to know what the relationship between Miss Adir and Melody is. Who's Molly? Who's Sarah? Who are these people? And what is their relationship? Are they sisters? Are they friends? Did they grow up together? It looks like Melody's upset because Miss Adir abandoned her 
and left her to be under control of these people that created her, it looks like their history runs deeper than we know. And I really want them to dive into that, especially if it seems like Malady's motivations are all just to get Miss Adia to, to pay attention to her, to focus on her, to be her best friend again. That That's a storyline I really want to go into because I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming, but I'm excited to learn more about it, especially when Malady goes and, and kidnaps Penance and puts both her and Mary on a pedestal and tells her to choose, like, who she's supposed to choose from. There's her friend, Malady, or past friend, who's gone off the deep end. There's Penance, her best friend, who's kept her grounded and alive for who knows how long, the past three years. And then there's Mary, who can be the, the new coming for the rest of the touched. Like, what? What? How do you choose? Apparently you don't. The choice is to shoot yourself. That is the choice. That is what we do. And Melody literally loses her mind, as did the rest of us, because she can't think of losing Miss Deer. So that relationship, I seriously, I we need to dive into it more because I want to know how deep it goes. Honestly, you can't go that deep if Melody was prepped to kill her at the end and was saved by Bonfire, which leads me to question what allegiance Bonfire is under. Okay, because I love her. I love her power. I love that she's a strong black woman, but I don't know what she's doing with Melody. I don't even know what her relationship is with Melody, to be honest. I don't know if it's physical, sexual, romantical. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And now that she's saved Miss Adir and is apparently on the run, who is she turning up with? Is she going to turn up at the, at the orphanage later? Questions, because I need her to be good. I, I'm tired of, of POC black characters ending up the bad guy. I can't do it. I can't do it. I really need her to be a good person in this show and I hope it's coming. I don't know. You know, just thinking about Bonfire and her switch of allegiance and thinking about Miss Adir and her history with Melody, it really has me thinking about that scene in episode one where she has the knife to her face and she says, this isn't my real face. And honestly, it's not because we don't really know anything about her we don't know her motives we don't know why she's doing what she's doing we don't know her history we don't know why she tried to kill herself in the beginning of episode one we don't know really who the hell molly is and her relationship to malady or now we know it as sarah think about the troubled power that she has Everyone else that we, we've seen so far, we know why they have the skill sets that they have. Penance has her gifts of seeing electricity because we saw that she was an inventor in the, end, in the beginning of the episode. Horatio can heal things and we saw that he was a doctor at the beginning of the episode. Malady can see things and we saw that she's mentally unstable and could probably see things from the beginning. And she's the last one to see the aliens or gods that gave the gifts to them. So what is it that Miss Adir has that leads her to be able to see the future when we can't even see her past? We know nothing of her past and yet she gives us a glimpse of the future. My mind is blown. My mind is blown. I hope <laughs> I just had this revelation right now and I hope that if you're listening to this and you've gotten this far in this episode that your mind is just as blown as mine because we our main character that we're watching gives us glimpse of the future 
and yet we know nothing about her past. Oh my god. Honestly, if you're just watching this show for the sci-fi elements of it and just seeing what's on paper look deeper because there are a lot of hidden messages and thoughts and ideas that once you break down are just it's mind-blowing what you can understand and get to know and I hope when you're listening to this podcast or, or so many other podcasts on this show that are just as amazing that you're listening to the things that we're finding and that we're sharing with you and, and I hope you appreciate it and it gives you just as much of a thrill to experience and, and hear these revelations the same times that we find them. Ugh, I don't know. I'm probably rambling again. But you know what wasn't a revelation? You know what wasn't a revelation? Lavinia's two-faced self. I told you. I told you she was evil. I mean, is she evil? She's kind of evil. What she's doing is evil. Because we see that Miss Cassini has been snatched. And all because she was trying to find the orphanage and people have been leaving flyers out saying that they will lead you to the orphanage and what is it it's the evil snatchers it's the evil snatchers i screamed so loud because i actually loved her as a character even though we only saw like five minutes of her and to see that she was going to get her head cut open by the doctor i wasn't ready i wasn't ready but i also wasn't ready to find out that the doctor had a boss and that boss led to lavinia lavinia what are you doing honestly i was thinking like every time that lavinia has asked to see more troubled people come out of the orphanage for her little soirees and etc is she basically just looking in to see like which troubled characters or or people she can just snatch on her own and like put into her experiments because yes no no trouble is the same but like what if Lavinia's just like looking at the playing field seeing what she can dabble in seeing who's stronger who's more unique and that she can tap herself into with the doctor's help of course but like what if it's all a ploy what if it's all what if it's not about integrating the troubled into society what if she's hunting what if she's hunting? Oh my goodness, I hate Lavinia right now. And I don't know how I feel about it. <sighs> is she good? Is she not good? Somebody give me the answer. Because right now I'm very sad at the fact that there are so many troubled people in this minefield that Lavinia and the doctor have created. Why are they creating this little minefield prison? It's because they have a piece of the alien tech? Maybe it's an egg of the alien spaceship that came and gave everyone their troubled gifts? So how did they capture it? Did it like false land? How were they able to see it when nobody else could see the spaceship that came and gave everyone their troubled gifts in the beginning? What does it mean? Or could it be that this spaceship or egg landed before the ship that gave everyone their troubled powers three years ago and so the ship came back to look for what they lost and instead accidentally gave people gifts i have so many questions i have so many questions and zero answers that was pretty much the gist of this entire episode it was one hour that felt like three uh, we learned so much and yet so little at the same time that I feel like I have more questions going out of this episode than 
when I first came in. Um, but that just means that the rest of the season is just going to keep me on my toes, right? And I'm excited and I hope you guys are excited too. Some honorable mentions of the episode that I thought was interesting and that I should focus in a little bit more on is what are we going to do now that the evil snatchers are putting up flyers pretending to be the orphanage? Like how many more troubled are we going to lose? What did you guys think of Augustus's powers and that he was able to project himself onto other crovids and birds? Like, I wonder if male powers are different than the females in some sense, or if it's all just based on who you are as a person and gender doesn't come into to factor at all. What do you think about uh, Hugo's ferryman underground prostitution ring where he's using the touched as a little bit of um, entertainment for the upper class? because mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about it but I also don't want to go on like Mason's level and like fight about it because he's more like they don't exist in society they shouldn't exist in society don't put them in um and the fireman's more like they do what they want this helps my business kind of thing I don't know I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But that fight between Hugo or whatever his name is and Mr. Mason, oh, that was rough. I felt so bad. He all mentioned his father. Goodness, it was a hot mess. Um, But yeah, it was a pretty good episode. I really, I really like this episode. I'm very excited to go into episode three with everyone. Expect that episode sometime soon before episode four. Just want to thank everyone for their patience on these episodes rolling out. Hopefully we'll be back to having new episodes out early in the week so you guys get a chance to listen and digest before Sunday. And yeah, but until then, you can follow me on social media at Showtalk Podcast on Twitter if you want to see my live tweeting on the episodes or just see what kind of shows I'm watching. You can always find me there or you can send me a personal email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to talk or check at showtalk.blog if you want to see some of the episodes that I've released on other shows that might interest you. But until then keep on talking about this show about so many other shows because in the crazy world that we are in today sometimes you just need a show to wind down and relax but until then keep talking